Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport in association with LACA. Bicycle insurance powered by the community. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling. I'm Graham Wilgos. Brad, still touring the UK with your show. A little bit tired. Welcome back. Yeah, no, the busy, busy week it on is the road. Fantastic. You know, uh, we were in Edinburgh last night. With the crowd. Yeah, just talk about cycling. It's not all about me. It's, you know, how sort of where I got to but how I got there and the people that went before us really which is you know talk about my love of cycling how much I love it and I'm fortunate to have still be making a living out of it which I'm really privileged with so and I, well I'm glad you said that because another man who is still fortunate to be making his living as a world-class He's not cyclist fortunate. yeah he deserves it I, well no doubt yeah. about it Steve Cummings welcome to the Bradley Wicked Show <laughs> thank you thank you for having me thank, well thank you for coming on um, I, sh- I should give you mention your Palmares really it's a two-time Tour de France stage winner uh, winning on Mandela Day, of course. Uh, national road race champion, national <laughs> time trial champion, Tour of Britain winner. Uh, Trophy Liguella winner. Trophy Liguella winner. in the Basque Country, Torino Adatico. So Brad's got this down. And yeah. currently... Dauphiné. Um, the, yeah, the, Dauphiné. I mean, so many. The proud, the proud yeah. owner of four fractured vertebrae. Uh, yeah. How's, uh, so... It happens, it happens, that's what. And for our listeners, he's sort of sat there in this weird contraption, <laughs> much like when Darth Vader takes his helmet off, and, <laughs> and it, it looks like that a little bit, doesn't it? So, I, I, how to set this, because I do want to describe this for, sort of paint a picture for you know, listeners to the podcast. You are in a sort of contraption that goes from your waist up to your neck. It's, I don't want to be insensitive and say it's a dog collar, but it is a bit of a dog collar going on as well. Yeah. Uh, Steve, you said it looked a lot worse than it is. Yeah, I think it's medium bad. I broke uh, four thoracic vertebrae, so in between like your your shoulder blades. Um, and then the brace is to sort of stabilise it to stop sort of spinal curvature in the future. So I think that they have to be very prudent. So um, yeah, it looks it looks and sounds worse than it is. But actually, I can take the brace off and walk down the street. But you know, I don't want to end up. With was, a, that a in bent the, spine, so the, the home stage of the Tour of Britain, where you, you're from, isn't it? Do you know what is weird? Is we passed my house and all my family were there, one k from where I live now, and um, we literally went through there. And a the whole day for me was like super emotional because I started racing in Birkenhead Park, and um, I don't know, it, it's it was if you think back then, I rode down Birkenhead Park, you know, on a probably a borrowed bike race there for the first time to think 25 later 25 years later you'll be going back to to do a professional race with all like Cavendish and all these Tour de France stars it was unthinkable really and I'd never seen a race a pro race like in that area so it was just really nice for the area because there's a lot of hardcore cycling people in that area and they managed to see like some of the stars and see the race go past but I yeah I crashed 1k after where I lived so well I have to say this Graham because he won't say he's talking about the stars Mark but you are the star in that area. No, but, and he won't say it because he's too unassuming. Mod, but, you know, we just reeled his Palmares off there. But you've achieved that, really. <laughs> and when we were kids, you know, it was Chris Bourbon locally, wasn't it? And everyone sort of looked up to him. And all of us of that generation have sort of contributed to why cycling is like it is today. And 
the great thing about Steve is he, he you, have you come back down from wheel, the wheel today or yesterday? Did you? Yeah, yeah, I got, no, I got a train down this morning. Yeah, so from Liverpool, and you'll retire back there, won't you? As well, for sure. Which is, you for know, sure. His wife's from there, and and I think that's um, it's brilliant for that area. You know, it's just because it's cycling centric. It always has been cycling centric, isn't it? In the days where you could ride through the Mersey Tunnel, couldn't you? <laughs> um, no, it's good. We got a lot of characters, yeah. and there's a big cycling culture. You know, like Eureka Cafe and like other cafes now as well, and. Yeah, with Chris. You're still one of them. Chris Bourbon. And you just went off to do what everyone wanted to do, but you've gone back there now, which is great. That's Yeah, good. it's funny because sometimes you're away for a period of time, like years, and you don't see people, and then they see you and they, they, ah, they, they think you've changed, but I'm the same and I talk and ride with whoever I see. It's really nice. And you don't go. see it, but they see, see which is, it's, that's the strange thing. <laughs> like Mark Baker and all those guys. <laughs> yeah. But you've got, uh, you've got history, of course, the two of you. So uh, Athens, Team Pursuit, silver medal. Uh, it started your careers before on, that. On, on, well, yeah, started before your that. On the road. We roasted together in 1997. Yeah, in the junior national points race, and I beat him. But in those days, he was robbing cars and coming in and doing track titles, <laughs> going back and robbing cars. You <laughs> <laughs> were a proper scallywag, then, weren't you, Steve? Um, they've got a picture of us on the podium. He's got Bermuda shorts on, you know. And, um, um, and there's a, so there's a story about you, Steve, hoisting Brad's Adidas kit on a flagpole, <laughs> which I want to get into. But like. Yeah, yeah. So, like in my uh, spare time to make a bit of money to, yeah, just so late nineties this was, wasn't it? Yeah. So I could chase. Well, I don't know. Just so I could spend time on my bike. Really, I, I used to work part time for uh, uh, what was it called? Boardman Heritage, yeah, Boardman Hampson Woodworth Level Four. four it, so yeah. it was based in Hoylake, and it was a import company. Yeah, yeah. import. They used to import import Adidas. So the and Shecon and the other team. Yeah. Then it was like uh, Adidas Shecon yeah. and. Paul Manning, yep. you, I can't Glenn remember. Holmes. Glenn Holmes, I can't remember. Yeah. Dave all. Williams. Dave Willie. Uh, yeah. Fraser Wilson. And then my part of my job was to distri- dis- distribute the, the kit. So I'd take bags when I went to the Velodrome, take bags. So I took his to the Velodrome. No, so what happened, 1998, I was junior world champion. So I signed with them for the year after 99. So I used to ring Steve, who worked <laughs> in, the, fa- in, the, in the, the distribution place, and say, Steve, I need a pair of Adidas shoes in a size 11. He goes... I'll have a look what we got, Brad. Come back to you. And he'd bring, like, he'd bring a kit back. I've left it in a track sense for you. I get there and it's up on the flagpole. <laughs> that, how am I going to get that down? How have you got it up there? How, how did you get it there? Well, okay, how did you get it up there and how did you get it down? I stole a ladder in Liverpool. <laughs> no, it's normal. If you, if you want to hoist the flag, you just go follow the normal procedures of hoisting a you flag. cut the cable? No, I didn't cut it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just put it up there. Yeah. There's, there's something else I want to come to on as well. You, you used to make movies together. Not those kind of movies no, no not that kind of <laughs> no. no so sorry but leave that, that open so that was 99 by 2000 i did the olympics obviously in athens by 2001 we were now a team pursuit squad in the world yeah. stage yeah and steve had come out the junior ranks and came onto the track squad so two, by 2001 and from the first day of being in the squad together because we hadn't been together because he was a year younger than me we just hit it off and we went to uh, training camps and we always roomed together. We went to Rhodes in Greece. Do you remember that? Eventually there was a ban and we Sweetie. couldn't, we weren't allowed to room like, together. I could be Sweetie, right? Which <laughs> yeah. was James Taylor and Jay Sweet. And then we just used to basically take the <laughs> and never stop laughing. Yeah. And Mallorca and all that. So for, after that, for the next two years, we just roomed together and party in the off season together and everything. And he used to stay at his house and Davis, his dad, who was a police <laughs> officer, was like a... A laughing, you know, he was the brunt of all jokes. And <laughs> but actually, as a junior, Steve, interestingly, the re- when you were working at Seacon, you got um, what's it, what's it called? Uh, Money nucleus. What do they call it? Um, yeah, Glange, really. Glandrophy. Glandrophy to the point where you even couldn't get down the stairs in the morning, could you? Yeah, I was on, on the and couch. that wrecked your junior years for a bit, didn't it? Yeah, I was a year out. Yeah, on the mm. couch. Yeah. 
I remember him saying to me at the time that you literally come down the stairs and fall asleep for six hours and have the <laughs> muscle, the energy to go upstairs. It was quite, they almost thought your career was over, didn't you, at that point? Well, it is a bit first big psychological challenge. And yeah, it just made, made me stronger. I had to think uh, positive, but mm. I was asleep most of the time, so I didn't think too much. But then you came back from that really strong and yeah, made it onto yeah. the track squad. And then from 2001, you sort of almost made the track world's team up to Athens, of course, didn't it? We rode the Athens Olympic final together. Yeah, yeah, you know, good memories. Yeah, so it was good actually. And, I, and then I left obviously after that and went on the road. And he stayed on the squad. And that world title always eluded you, didn't it? After two thousand and five, we got it. Finally. Yeah, but in two thousand and six, I remember you being really pissed off because you lost it by half a second or something, didn't you? Yeah. And there was some debate going on. I can't seem to was remember. Two thousand and six, or was it in Bordeaux to the Aussies? Uh, Point being, after that, you went on the road. Then went full time on the road, didn't you? Yeah. With Lambeau credit. I got frustrated on the track. I think it was I because I was, you're reliant on three or four other people, and sometimes I don't know. It always seems to be seemed to be that someone wasn't quite on it, and that sometimes you could be perfect. I guess it's being part of a team, but not win. And I just thought oh, I've had enough. I need to do. What was what was your point me. then that you did that? What was the point you sort of thought? Right, I've had enough of the track now. I want to have a proper go at the road. Not not just I'm going to go and do something else, but I yeah. want to have a. I never had the, the the same love for the track as I had for the road, and I was doing it as. But what what motivated you? The insp- was there an inspiration? I don't know. No, no, I wasn't. When I was in it, I, I wanted to win. You wanted to win. That's what that's what motivated me. But it, I had a much stronger passion for the road, and the motivation, I guess, was at that time the best way of financing like road ambitions was through the track, really. By so by buying into <coughs> that program, and yeah. that's what I tried to do. And that's uh, I tried to stick with it through to two thousand and eight. But like the, I was just. Any which way I could blag a few days off the track and go on the road, I'd try and do it. So uh, that, was, that was the way it was. Because interestingly, Graham, when in two th- I watched him do that while I um, sort of had a few, not lacklustre years, I was just winning prologues because I thought that mm. was my calling card with Cofidis. And I went back on the track squad in 2008 and we used to watch the Tour de France when we were on Olympic training camp in Mallorca and watch Cav win his first few stages. And, and I, I remember saying to Shane Sutton at the time, I want to have a go at the road next year. And he said, you should. And I said, will you coach me, Shane? Because I, I actually feel like I did. But, and after that, we came back and I watched. The, we went to the Tour of Britain as Team Pursuit Olympic champions. And I watched Steve, who I used to beat, but I watched how hard he'd been working. And he started to get the results mm. after that. And he got second in the Tour of Denmark and he got second in the Tour of Britain. And I thought, Steve's finally starting to make waves in this. And, and he sort of inspired me to have a go, which led to 2009 and the tour and everything. So, and then we ended up at Sky together. And, you know, it was a bit, it's just funny how, like, you know, kind of inspired each other constantly through our career, you know. Mm. So, you, Steve, you rode your first Tour de France in support of Brad in 2010. Yeah. I say in support. I think I was, yeah. We were trying to support, yeah. So. But I, I'm to, probably more, probably more in, uh, just sort of emotionally off the bike. Yeah. We were still having that laugh in a very serious environment yeah. where all performance before, in, in the Giro before, do you remember? Top we're, Gun, back row. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Know, you say you're able to do that because you, you've, you're from, as you say, you're from similar backgrounds. No, it's just because we'd grown up. We were always still able to have a laugh. They, at the point, they tried separating us a bit, didn't they? They stopped rooming us together and that because, you know... We, that was a bad influence. Yeah, we were two. That's so, 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 my next question. Who's you two together are a nightmare. We need to separate you. <laughs> no, only because we kept laughing. No, I think because when you know someone so long, it's like it's like Cav. Like you've, we, we've known him since yeah. like your kids and you, you just think, oh, it's Cav or it's Brad. And when you come in halfway or when someone's already achieved great things you're always you're already a bit like oh it's yeah. it's brad or oh it's cav but actually so that's what cav's like with me when he comes on to like talk sport or something where he goes go easy lad you know because he you know he says i'm terrified you're gonna just start taking a mick but now i've got to the stage where i 
I big him up publicly, and I mean what I say. Yeah. But you don't do that off air. You just take the piss out of each other, you know. And it's just it's funny because, and that's why Cav and G have got relationships and they were kids. And there's a public perception, but we've all grown up together, you know. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but in your early years, and you're, you're smiling at me, and I like that. <laughs> but were you adverse to pulling an all-nighter before turning up to a to a race on the track? Absolutely. Oh it's yeah, a pack. yeah. It's a pack. Yeah. I, I think what happened with me was, uh, I was a little bit scared to fail. Yeah. So um, any, I don't know, I was, uh, th- there was that side of it. So I never, sometimes I wouldn't try, you know what I mean? Because if I didn't try, I was like, wow, I didn't try. So, you know, you could justify failure in, in your own mind. Sure. So I, I don't know, I just used to, I wasn't c- fully committed and I used to enjoy electronic music. <laughs> yeah, he's a good DJ. And going out, going really out good. to like Cream and stuff like that. And just going out, like I used to follow my, my older brother. He was out a lot. Yeah. And his mates, he used to go out with them drinking Oh, Andrew. Yeah, just getting up to... So he, he We're was, just having a laugh, and that, that's it. But that's what people my age do. That's British culture, I think. Sure. And, I, and it's just changed so much. Like cycling now, you just wouldn't dream of doing that, really. But given given that you, you did do that, yeah. it, it is, in a way, amazing that you've, you've managed to carry through. <laughs> is that unfair? Uh, I don't know. I think there was the time when I knuckled down. Dave, yeah. It was actually Dave B brought me into uh, the Velodrome. He'd just taken over as performance director, and... Um, he was good like that, wasn't he? He was super yeah. good, and he brought me in. He said, "Look, Steve, you're a bit up and down, to say the least." And um, we, you need to. Was he from Liverpool? Was he? You need to. Oh, he's Welsh. You need to um, like buy into this. You need to commit. Otherwise, there's no place for you on the program. So he yeah. made like we had an agreement that I'd call him every Monday, and uh, I think it was that 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 just sort of kicked me off. But he did it in a way that was like a big brother, wasn't it? He did. He just super like he put like, his arm around you. Like then, Sir didn't he? Dave has always been super with me, yeah. like and. Um, always helpful and still to this day i call him and text him and still the same always like helpful i haven't always agreed with him mm. but i've always respected him mm. and always respected his decisions and yeah go if it wasn't for him i don't know i probably wouldn't be sat here but i'm know, like that with the him. liverpool game already in the pub definitely. i'm like that with him and i do it publicly and mm. people think i'm criticized wigging slams but it's not that i'm like we were at athens olympics call him dave mcgarby <laughs> You know, like we used to call him performance dictator, <laughs> and we were going to buy him a robe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had that relationship because he was like a big brother. You you say it publicly, but and then it gets reported that you're hammering him. But we sure. do it. To, I did it to his face because yeah. we had. That's why he's so good because he was like a big brother to everyone. But Steve, I used to go and stay at his house, and he's got a brilliant family. And his elder brother went to Iraq. You know, he's in the army, so I used to sleep in his brother's bed. And his younger brother, Graham, who was a bit of a tearaway, fair to say, <laughs> who became really obsessed with cycling and just as obsessed with Steve and ended up working in shops in Chester and stuff. Are we still talk about him at my wedding falling over a car into an olive? <laughs> I did a rap, didn't and I? Did a rap. He did a rap as well. Yeah. By the so, end, right, yeah. what, what did you rap to? Rapper's Delight? I actually can't it? remember because I just remember the worst hangover I've had of that this morning. <laughs> um, being sick everywhere in his room. Um, but it was great. Cav was there and all these guys... I broke Cav's scooter. <laughs> it was in Italy, and it was just, um, you know, that, that generation that we grew up, it was, um, you know, before everyone got famous and cycling, but we see each other as each other. G, Stanard, mm. all these guys, Swifty. But the public have a different perception of everyone, you know, and it's, um, I think we all are privileged that we were able to do that, you know. And a new crowd like the Teos and all that guys watched us a lot and look up to us, and you sort of feel a bit embarrassed because we're not like, we're just like you lot, really, but different. And it's um, it's brilliant that cycling's like that. It really is, and... Um, you know, we're all grateful, aren't we, really? Ah, yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, so, uh, Brad, you were talking a little bit about this on, on stage on your, in your tour mm. last night, and the, the, I want to touch on this because we, we, we sort of um, we've almost got to it with the, with the sort of growing up together and the, that sort of institutionalisation that we, we often touch on mm. actually. But um, the, in particular, and, and you mentioned this earlier before we came on air, is now that you're seeing your son growing up, mm. and you're uh, and in, in a way you're sort of harking back to, or you're looking back at uh, when, when maybe you were at a similar stage, yeah. and, you're, yeah. and you're seeing that. Uh, maybe you did you you did feel a certain insecurity because of the way you were you know you're straight into a yeah. system and the things that you say publicly and, and as you were just saying there you know that what you say publicly you're just taking the mickey but it's it's taking another way mm. but when you're you're expected to say things when you're put up as 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 you know British cyclist Bradley Wiggins or Team Sky cyclist you know uh, Steve Cummings yeah. Bradley Wiggins you know it's uh, and and the things that you say to the media are the things that you're expected to say not necessarily what you think well not, um, not necessarily see so I. I, I always said what I thought. Yeah. I used to get trouble for it. Yeah. You see, and that's the problem. Uh, and then you get cast as a bit unpredictable, a bit loose, a bit shocking because you don't say. But now everyone says what you're supposed to say. Yeah. Um, whereas I always just and and that amplifies your fame publicly, or either amplifies your fame or it makes people hate you more. But I always endeavour to just be myself and continue to be myself, like on the motorbike this year at the tour, and be it as a pundit. Um, for you, and I'd ra- talking to the peloton. I'd rather be about. that. I'd rather be me. You know, and. Yeah. and you're not doing it to be shocking. You're not doing it to be unpredictable or reckless or, you know, you know, walking around. It's not like you walk around like unpredictable, shocking, kicking pigeons up the arse and stuff. You know, just I actually consider myself quite intelligent, but not an intellect. Mm. Um, and I don't mean that in a pompous way. I just mean that it's almost common sense, really. And the reason that you you have that is that you have the ability to not really give a fuck and be stupid as anything. And that's it, really. And, and that's what the message I'm trying to get across is don't don't think I'm anything special. You know, like, because I get called, it, the ones that come up to me and say, you're a hero and a legend every day. I never don't feel like one. Uh, she's had a lot of self-loathing problems and stuff and trying to work out who I am and stuff. And I, I've only ever had praise through the whole of my adult life mm. when I achieve something, you know. Um, and you never get it as a human being. Even from my growing up parenting, dad and all that stuff got murdered. And you have to live out your adult life in the public eye and expect to ask questions on it. But then, because I'm still in cycling, I get perceived as the perception I was seven years ago. But I've, I have changed. So don't assume I'm the same person. Only, not the public, but certain journalists, preloaded questions where they ex- expect you to still be moody or whatever you were back then, you know, mm. or for certain reasons, you know. What do you say to people now when they do approach you and say, because you, you must still have it, and people say, oh, Brad, you're a hero. Or, Steve, you must have this as well, to, a, to an extent, you know. Well, I just say, look, look you know, it's great, because it, it, insp- I was inspired by all the people I talk about now. Mm. And I love cycling. And their stuff means more to me than my stuff. And I'm glad it meant something to someone, which is fantastic. But then they say, or if someone says, you know, you must, you must polish that trophy. You must keep your medal somewhere safe every day. I don't keep it in a plastic bag, you know, because, because they, they assume that that is what you do with that stuff. But mm. I don't. I smashed my uh, sports personality trophy, smashed my knighthood in front of my kids and chucked them in the um, flower bed. Deliberately? Yeah, to make a point to them. I wanted to yeah. show them that it's not the material item that we now polish on the mantelpiece yeah, for yeah. the rest of our lives to elevate dad in our household as yeah, yeah. something special. That's not the success. The success is that I applied myself like Steve did to something and the application sacrificed so much. Like Steve's wife, Nikki, I've known since she got with her. and I think you met her in SDS test, didn't you? In Hedwell. <laughs> I was chasing her for a while. I, know, I remember you were saying, <laughs> what, what do you think? But what I'm saying is that 
you don't see Nikki and you know she's supported Steve through the whole lived in Italy and flown back and done her day job and and that's the stuff you sacrifice as mm. a cyclist you see and that's the application and you come back to that when you retire but you know you just get held to that perception for the first person first part of your life 32 mm. years you know but I don't live off that now I don't need that for self-worth and my ego you know you've got to find that elsewhere I don't need to go up to people and go for them to say you're a hero and a legend and then me feel good about myself you've got to find other things to do that mm. otherwise you're fucked for the rest of your life, seriously. Because you cling on to it, and sportsmen try and do that, don't mm. they? And then you end up with problems, you know? Steve, that's, I mean, we, we've, we've covered, obviously we've covered the, the fact that you're injured at the moment, and, then, and presumably that's it for you for the season now, for, for racing. It's, it's not like you're going to be, you know, back on, a, back on a bike with a broom supporting your back. That's, sort of. that's me doing you. Yeah. Um, what does next season hold for you? I don't know. Um, I'm talking to my boss next week, and we'll see what he says, if uh, I can continue or if I stop, I don't know. You are doing a degree, is that right? Are you doing I'm doing a degree, yeah. There you go. Because yeah. he's already thinking about what you're doing. I started, next, yeah. I started last year in September studying business and sport management. But I don't, I can't, for me it's different because I don't feel, I don't, I've never felt, and I'm not, achieve as much as him and Cavendish and Sir Chris Hoy. I'm like, I'm in the background and that suits me. <laughs> That's the way I like it. So it's totally different for me. But you have, you have though. I haven't. I think that, and I can <laughs> no, say that I, as, a, as a, an observer and a pundit I mean, of the cycling sport now. No, no, but I could agree, like on a much, much like lower, lower scale, and that's why it's so different for me because I don't have, to, I don't get. I've been with you in Starbucks, and people come up and say, "Shine this for me." But I know, but that's because my insecurity, um, my playing that character, my character, my personality to the extremity in an insecurity amplified the fame of the character you're playing. Mm. And Steve's always been the same now as he was ninety, quite happy and comfortable in his own skin as to who he was because he's got a good family his mum and dad his brothers so he didn't need to do that and in not doing that he's in the background a lot so he don't have to be this introvert person where everyone's looking at him get drunk and then play the form be you know like even when we went to Chris Newton's wedding and I'm up on the stage going Tony Gibb loafers and all that I always felt the need to perform I did that rap at your wedding <laughs> it's an insecurity what did you rap to you I can't even remember Steve because it was always fueled by alcohol but it's an introverted Insecurity is the reason I, I feel was, the need um, to perform. Groove Armada was on actually. Um, <laughs> super styling. He was. He was. Uh, I can't even remember. I think the super styling was on. Maybe we'll get you to do it at the, the last show remember. of the year. But what I'm, point I'm trying to make is that we used to, when we used to look up to Max Chandry, Max Chandry, Max Chandry, he's achieved twi- three times as much as Max Chandry achieved. Yeah. No. You have two st- more stages in the tour. He's won Lagarelia Trophy, Toronto Agico, Bass Stage win, all these things, Olympic medal. But he will never say it. You see, and he he doesn't know what people think of him over here. You know, he's almost a cult hero and mm. and he won't trade off it, which is why he's not entitled and he's doing a degree and all that sort of stuff. But that's why he's a good father and a great parent and all this stuff. But you don't want a medal for that and you don't advertise it and he won't advertise it. Um, and that's how it's supposed to be. And he's going to have a happy life and he'll be all right. He'll be, he's one of the ones you don't have to worry about. He's going to be fine. Steve's almost squirming with the focus <laughs> but he on won't him. Know it, it. But I can say that, but no one else will say that because I know I've known him since he was 16. Yeah. Um, Steve, we'll take the focus off you. Let's talk and about I'm normal that. now. I've got a brain. And well, I'm entitled. And we're very grateful for it. But it's not, you don't have to be grateful. You're supposed to be like that. Yeah, yeah. But no sportsman will say that because yeah. they, they want to portray. I'm a flawed character. I have a lot of pain in my personal life. But I don't, I don't want a medal for it and I don't want sympathy because there's a lot of people that have shit in their lives. They just don't talk about it. But you're that much more honest, though, about it, aren't yeah, you? Because like, I we, think, we are all flawed characters in one way yeah, or exactly. another. But. but I think like, society's changed now and I think you can actually help people by going, Joe, you know what? He's won the tour, he's won five Olympics. He's still going through it. You know, it's, it's other people getting a bit of hope out of knowing that other people are going through it or whatever. It's not a competition. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If your dog's died, some, that's just as painful to some people. Mm. You know, it's not a competition, but you want to talk about all this 
Mental Health Awareness Week and let's grow a moustache in November and all this and get people, you know, 24-7. Life's getting harder. The Deep Hour on the Steve, Well, it, Steve, you'll find it gets very philosophical <laughs> at times on the Bad Wiggins We've show. got Janet, so, Janet in Norwich. Janet, are you there, love? Hi, <laughs> uh, I'd just like to say I'm really inspired because my husband left me last week. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll maybe, we'll maybe, maybe the next series we'll do like a phone-in. It'll be a late-night thing. For, that's it for the end of part one. Sorry. Uh, join us Sorry for, about no, that. Nothing to apologise for. My, on, it's my your show. And well, well, the, more, more from the Bradley Wiggins show after this. Even though all three Grand Tours have concluded it's not the end of live cycling in 2019 on Eurosport and the Eurosport player. Fans can enjoy the Road World Championships in Yorkshire, the final monument of the season, Il Lombardia, and much, much more. Try it for yourself on the app or at eurosport.co.uk. World Championships, gents, in Yorkshire. Yes, yeah, Steve, how's you your chances? Yeah, yes, <laughs> not strong. So I, I presume you're not riding, no? No, I'm not riding. <laughs> no. Um, but so we, we do know who today. is. It starts today, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, so yeah, so we're already underway. So yeah. it, it, um, we know who is riding. Owen Duhl, Theo Gegenhart, uh, Theo Gegenhart, I should say, sorry, Ian Stannard, Ben Swift, um, who uh, the rest of the squad are riding for, G, Geraint Thomas, um, and Adam Yates. I thought G's pulled out. He's pulled out of the time trial. Oh, the time trial. So he's pulled okay, out of the yeah. time trial. He's not. Um, he's not going to ride that Alex Dale set, so um, is, is, is the is the I might the be going control. to help Victor Kempenart, funny enough. Really? I'm, I'm having a motivational talk with him on the phone the day before, but I might be going to have to sit in a car with him, behind him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and funny enough, he wants to give me a skin suit from the hour record, you see? So all that crap early in the year that, oh, Wiggins, can't, yeah. we're actually quite close. Yeah. And he's gifted me his hour record suit. I just said, make sure you wash it, mate. So you're going to be you're going to be Sean Yates? To, no, not, I'm not. To, I just, to, just, to, I'd to like to observe campaigns. what he's doing because he's asked me how, he can, how I can help him and stuff. Okay. I said, I need to watch you for a bit and see what you're doing in your warm-up and all that. So more as a, just an observer to try and give him some pinpointers for, mm. for next year. So um, Just to... to uh, I'll be standing there with a cigarette going. <laughs> <laughs> to go back to G briefly. So he said that he's tried to get back into shape after uh, after taking a break after mm. the Tour de France. He hasn't got into the, the shape that he, he thinks he'll be yeah. at his best. So John Archibald will be, um, who of course finished second in the in the um, national championships men's time trial. Yeah, yeah. He will take G's place. G will still be part of the squad riding for, for Ben Swift in the road yeah. race. Um, so, uh, well, okay. Let's let's start with the time trial. In fact, so mm. do we see do we see Alex making a mark there? Do we see it as Primoz's Primoz Roglic's for the taking? Do we see um, Remco Vanapol being the man to watch here? It's quite an open time trial. Yeah, I, I think off the back of the world to Primoz Primoz Roglic. I mean, yeah. you know, I can't imagine with his personality that, it, that he'd have let it go for five or yeah. six days. You know, he, for the sake of he, keeping he, it together. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he was dominant, wasn't he, Steve, in that time trial? I'd go with that. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. And a dark horse. Who else do we think? I don't, there's not the competition. Was Tony Martin crashed in the Walter, didn't yeah. he? Kirienka, yeah. maybe. Yeah, Kiri's. I think he's sort of about forty now, isn't he? Yeah, but he still goes. Uh, well, actually, so am I. Victor. <laughs> I mean, Victor Campton. Victor actually said to me during the week, "I think I can win." So you know, he wouldn't have said that if he didn't think he would. So he should. Was it Treno Adratico? He should have won it, and that was Giro. where he had that. Was it the Giro? Giro, Giro yeah. yeah. Um, and and it it didn't it didn't fall apart. It's so between them two. Well I think it's him, between so. them two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Men's road race, and we'll we'll come to the women's road race as well because I do want to talk about that. Absolutely. Lizzie, Lizzie Degno well, we racing to, on her home roads. Um, Steve, let's start with you. Who do you who do you see as the main? Is it is it a case of everyone else figuring out how to beat Matthew Van der Poel? If it comes to a small group and he's there, it's difficult to win. Yeah. So yeah. Or, or even if he's like a kilometer or two behind yeah, exactly. in, in, in the it's final shake up, then it's, yeah, it's difficult to win. So how would you beat him? I don't know. You'd have to go long and hope. Uh, 
hope he's not there, you know, by using numbers. But I'm not sure which nation has those kind of numbers that will go the distance in that, that race on that course. And I think the weather, you know, the weather can obviously affect the day, make it harder if it's wet. Mm. Um, well, you, if you I hadn't crashed s- and you were... Because you're, I consider you one of our best one-day riders, you know, in terms of preparation, and everything had gone well. How would you have tackled the race, being in that race, you'd wait as long as possible? I mean, what would you have done? For what would me, your game, your game plan for me or for the team? No, for you, because it's a tough course, isn't it? It's two hundred. Yeah, I think I think the strategy, Britain. Do you want me to say what the strategy I think Britain should have? I mean, I well, they'll go with that, Ben Swift, won't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but that, I agree with that. But what, all I wouldn't do you need is, a backup, don't you? No, but what I wouldn't do is is. I think when you've got the favourite, mm. you're all in for that one favourite. Yeah, of course, yeah. When you haven't got the favourite, and it's like Van der Poel is the favourite, it's like, how are you going to beat Van der Poel? I think then you have to start to have some ideas how, how you might be able to beat him, even if it is a long shot, and you need to anticipate a little bit. So they have Teo, and they have... Uh, who James else? Knox riding, is he? No. Knox no. is not riding, but Teo is a rider that could potentially anticipate and yeah. be, be in a group that comes to the finish... Or just put pressure on the Dutch and make make them try and make a mistake. And is Van der Poel too much of a favourite, though? You know, and, and I, I, he I, doesn't I, seem to feel the pressure. I'm, I'm thinking Philippe Gilbert and Van Avermaet. But well, uh, Belgium have got an outrageously strong, strong them squad. Them two as guys, well. they're experienced, and you know, Gilbert, Gilbert's he just every year continues to amaze me. He's just done it before, and, yeah, and he's, he's on form. He's the same guy he was back time. then, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's as silly as us. Um, what about what about Michael Matthews? going well yeah he looks really skinny and stuff I mean there's so many it's such a I I could see Gilbert he's another like I'd say him yeah Matthews I just think that the way Matthews would have to win Van der Poel would still be there and Van der Poel would win that's Swifty's gonna be up there though Swifty will be there yeah top top 10 top 5 maybe even a medal Julian Alaphilippe I think it's been hard for him since the tour he's he's got it in him but it's just since that since the tour it's been so demanding I think so I'd love to see him go flying and then you would see he's one of the favourites but He's got to slow down at some point. Well, what we've seen this season is that he just... It, that's what we kept saying over the tour. It's, and it can't, it's not ever-ending. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. Um, and Peter Sagan. We've got to... We've got hey, to you, can, you can never write him. Never. pause on. Yeah, yeah. What? No, you're never going to discount him, you know? Never can discount him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he didn't ride the World Tour, interesting. Did he go to Quebec and all those races, did he? He did Canada. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a different route through. And I always think the World Tour is... A, is well, World Tour in Britain... But um, I always just like the welter, really, because you're away from home. And I yeah. needed that because I had kids and stuff. So yeah. isn't that, you're in that environment, basically. Yeah. And, and I always, I always like that pathway, for the road race anyway. Yeah. And I did that the year we obviously worked for Cav when he won the Worlds. Um, a course never came up that really suited you for the Worlds, or the time was never right. Obviously, you, you know, we know you were a world time trial champion. I just never considered myself a one-day rider. Mm. I, I was always too big a picture and just doing enough and, and not being reckless. And so GC riding suited me. But I probably had the ability to do it, but I felt like I always had the time trial. I always knew a coincidence. So that was always mm. my focus, and it was always difficult coming off the back of the time trial and trying to refocus for the road race. Mm. Um, and no one really did that. I think Cancelar was the last one to really have a go at that. Yeah, yeah. It's actually quite draining, the time trial, the mental focus and everything. But the, the year I got second in Copenhagen, I knew we were always going to be working for Cav. So it's a different mental mindset. Um, so the women's road race, then. Lizzie Degnan, um, one of the, the favourites racing on home roads. She will be supported by a squad featuring Lizzie Banks, Alice Barnes, Hannah Barnes, Nikki Juniper and Anna Henderson. So here's one for you. Lizzie Degnan has said this week she feels the responsibility to prove that you can be both a pro rider and a mother. Well, that's the point. What do we make of this? People keep saying, you know, do you think she can win? And, I, and it doesn't matter. She, she's already a national star and done so much for women's cycling. Mm. My daughter idolises her at 12 years of age. 
she's done it. She by being Lizzie and doing her best, she's gone away and had a baby. And people say, you know, do you think women's cycling has got better? Phil has retired from cycling from Team Sky mm. to become the house parent because she can now earn more money as a women's cyclist. And the world's in Yorkshire, and she's a national star, and people just want to see her, and she'll do her best. And she's a mother, and it's brilliant that a woman can do that over over the man. Good on Phil for for doing that as well. Which is so it's it's getting somewhere. Mm. Mandy Jones couldn't do that. And, and actually, being able to being able to talk about this now, you know, we were talking earlier mm. about how, uh, you know, you, you, you in sport generally, actually, you can say, look, there's there's more to there's more to it, there's more to life. You know, we've seen this this season with Marcel Kittle saying, look, actually, this isn't for me anymore. Uh, we've seen we've seen it with Pete Kenya, not in the same way, but there is there is more to life. Yeah, look, it, I think there's a shame attached to it in some ways that he perceives as this amazing, strong, mentally strong athlete, and it's quite hard. In that, in your guardedness as an athlete, to just say, "I don't want to do it anymore," you know, it's almost a bit negative, really, and you feel like you have to justify why you don't want to do it anymore, mm. um, which is a shame, really, because I, I had to do it really in, in Rio, where people say, you know, um, and, and why do you think that? Do you think you could go on to do more? And I said, because my family need me now. I need to go and be a husband and a father. Mm. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong in saying that. Sure. Uh, who have you left out here? Matteo Trentin, perhaps. I mean, yeah, the, it's such a lottery. The world is always, but. They're the main players, aren't they, really? Yeah. You, you would expect to be up there, but there's always a surprise. Trenton will be there for sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. A lot, anyone out of the world, to Valverde. I mean, Jesus, you can't underestimate him. Podgar. Yeah. You know, um, Lopez. Valverde of fancy defending his title, wouldn't he, on that course? 52 years of age, I mean, God. <laughs> the undead. You just, yeah, I mean, he's just phenomenal, really. He just keeps going. Right, so we've we, we've we've sort of we've touched on this as well. You're both headed to Stamford Bridge um, after we finish recording here. Well, there you go. You see, that's the relate. Yeah, we're going to watch Liverpool games now. You know, we're part of the ultras. We're going to have a big tear up. <laughs> Steve's going to stick his stone iron jacket on. <laughs> see, see. He, I've got to take him there with this thing. I said, take that off, Steve, because we're going to get our heads kicked. In. <laughs> He's wearing that, so he won't. <laughs> We've got to cover it up. <laughs> Um, Steve, you were saying that you used to sneak out of, of sort of uh, if you were away with a team, you used to sneak out, go and find a bar in the in the days before sort of being able to watch we football did. matches on your mobile or your iPad. We used to go to that Irish bar in Mallorca, bar. didn't we? Yeah, yeah, watch, yeah, yeah. In January, and watch the European games. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. um, so go on then. What what do we make of? Because you're a big Liverpool fan. In fact, you're both Liverpool fans, aren't you? So yeah, well, he is. Yeah, I used to. I remember when you just. Younger, and I used to use support. And one week he'd be QPR, the next week he'd be Arsenal. No, then he'd be Chelsea. And then I said, "Look, listen, stop all this. You need to come to Liverpool." No, but I was, and see yeah. because uh, it's just something else. Yeah, I, I've always been like a very broad because you know while I grew up in London and I had different mates that were supporters of different clubs, and I used to just love going and stood on the terraces and stuff. My son's mad Liverpool now, and but I was always my hero was one of my heroes was John Barnes, and he's continued to be my hero now as an mm-hmm. adult, and, you know. And um, it's just um, the history associated with the club and all that. And obviously, I grew up in London, so you know, couldn't go up to Liverpool games and things. And I didn't really have teenage years, and after that, when I I was ostracised from all the mates and that, once they started nicking car stereos and stuff. And um, but my son is now, and it's it's fantastic that I can take him and facilitate. And he's never wanted to go and stand in corporate boxes and all that stuff. He wanted. And I wanted him to grow up on the terraces, and, and that's with real people. And obviously, it's different now um, to what it used to be. But 
it's still it's nice to be able to go and still do that. It mm. really is. Steve, you've you've ridden with the live bird on your shoe. Is that because you're a Liverpool man or because you're a Liverpool a Liverpool fan as opposed to being you know from the area? Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not actually from Liverpool, but both my parents are. But yeah, I'm a massive Liverpool fan, and that means a lot to me and my family. The live bird. Yeah. You know, when someone gets married or someone dies, it's always you'll never walk alone on the. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it just means so much to. Do you remember the birthday message I sent you three years ago? Well, from Robbie Fowler, yeah, God, yeah. I've still got that on my phone. I got Rob to film him a message. Uh, yeah. God sent me a thing. Yeah. I don't know if he likes it or not. Oh, I love it. God is, yeah. Um, I'm glad you mentioned QPR there, Steve, because we've got an Ask Brad from former QPR and Manchester United and England right back, Paul Parker. Um, who Paul? Is, is, yeah. Oh, Paul Parker. He's, he's played many. Well, so he, he's sounding a little bit like an East London gangster, but here he is with an Ask Brad. Hi, Bradley. It's Paul Parker here. Everyone knows how good you are on the bike. Is there another sport that you believe you could do yourself justice in? So, Paul Parker, uh, Eurosports football blogger. What was the question? His question was, <laughs> is, in, in, to, to paraphrase, is there another, because uh, we've heard it there, is there yeah. another sport you, you, you would fancy yourself at? And, and I'm going to qualify this by saying not rowing, because we've spoken about the yeah, rowing. We, yeah. we know about that. And, and obviously not, not ski jumping. Um, and Steve, I'm going to extend the same question to you as well. Uh, but Brad, because yeah, I mean, a, I mean, I... The rowing thing was again, you know, you, I was inspired by Steve Redgrave, who wasn't, you know, not in a in a negative way because obviously people take it badly, but you know, you only had access to rowing if you went to certain schools, public schools, things like. That. But Steve was not in; he was in a state school and stuff. And, mm. and when he won in two thousand, he kind of and at Atlanta and stuff, he sort of transcended the sport and brought it to everyone, which was um, people have the ability to do that in sport. Um, so I always had an liked it from that point on and obviously Sydney was huge for rowing wasn't it and um, I always fancied a go at it from that point on mm. um, but never really had access to it and then obviously I was cycling stuff and I just enjoyed it when I stopped cycling because to, to, I was institutionalised and wanted to carry on training every day um, I'm better now but um, I, I was obsessed with football as a kid and I always wanted to be a footballer and um, used to go to West Ham during the summer holidays and play over there and uh, Anton Ferdinand Rio were all there at that time in, in the youth side and Joe Cole and um, and I wouldn't say I, I was I realised I wasn't going to be good enough because I always wanted to be a goalkeeper no one wanted to play in goal um, and I was always fascinated by like Neville Southall and Jim Layton and Dave Besson and all those people I just I, for some reason I, I don't know maybe it's because I'm a bit odd now but um, and I like bass players other people in the background you know yeah. um, Peter Shilton and and so and I never really pursued it because I came home. My mum always almost pushed me into cycling or steered me into it. Um, and I watched Chris Borman win the Olympics. So it was timing uh, at 12, watching Chris win in Barcelona and thinking, I'd love to do that. Yeah, that's really good. And I knew about cycling. My dad was a cyclist. but And his bike, for the first time, it became acceptable and famous. It was more about the bike, and it was on every national newspaper. Mm. The bloke on it was boring. We didn't know Chris very We used to take the mick out of him. We used to call him... Uh, David Bellamy, didn't we? And stuff. <laughs> we used to put bricks in his suitcase. With Belgian why, why David Bellamy? Because <laughs> he used to wear, <laughs> nature, wear this weird um, fishing jacket. No, it was like a yeah, utility jacket with all pockets. <laughs> he looked like a photographer. And, but he wore it for fashion readers. <laughs> and he used to say things like aerodynamic and momentum. Um, <laughs> and we used to take the mick out of him and stuff, but we both love him. Um, but so it wasn't about the personality on it. It was yeah. it was the bike that yeah. became national news. He's remembered more for the bike that moment. But that was the first time I 
And then I fell in love with cycling after that. Well, he's a, um, a cycling campaigner now, of course, Chris Boardman, and um, yeah, and, and doing a, a, a phenomenal job. Yeah, I should say too. It's, yeah, I don't, I don't really follow it really now, but you know, he's almost one of us now because he, he changed a lot, wasn't he, from a professional cyclist he's, back to a normal person almost. He's probably one of my heroes, or if not, All, my yeah, biggest absolutely. hero. Just, yeah, I just think like we have Sir Brad, we have Sir Chris Hoy, but I don't know, understand why Chris Boardman's not Sir Chris Boardman because mm. he's still working away now for the benefit of everyone mm. on you know not not just cyclists but road his users parents. like what he's doing and his parents as well yeah i just can't speak highly enough of him really mm. but his dad keith also used to coach steve and obviously his mum got killed you know and it, they've he's had a family involved that family have done so much locally as well mm. and chris as steve says you know i mean i got a night for services to cycling but he's he's done more for cycling for services everything you know i got it for one little bit yeah. um and as Steve said, he certainly deserves something. Maybe we should all nominate him, but... We'll write a letter from the podcast. But you know, he, he, yeah. he obviously does a lot with... Um, Everything. It's, well, it's pedestrianised infrastructure as well. It's not just people on bikes. It's, it's a it's, life you know, in cycling. Yeah. 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 Listeners, it's time to tell you a bit more about our sponsor, Lacquer. Lacquer is a smarter way of insuring your bike and your gear. It's a community of cyclists joining together to save each other money. Lacquer covers all the basics like theft and accidental loss and damage, both at home and abroad. It'll also cover you in sportives and competition races, so long as you're not riding in the pro peloton. How does Lacquer work, you ask? Well, instead of charging you a fixed premium, with Lacquer you only pay a small share of the community's claims cost, and your share is proportionate to how much you insure. Lacquer locks in a maximum price cap to make sure there are no nasty surprises, even in months with lots of claims amongst the community. And when there are no claims that month, you could even pay nothing at all. Rest assured claims are accepted fast, usually within 24 hours. On average, Lacquer's members have saved 61% on bike insurance, so why don't you investigate the benefits for yourself? Find out more at lacquer.co.uk and enter the promo code WIGGINS to get £10 off. That's laka.co.uk and the promo code WIGGINS. Steve, if you were going to have a crack at another sport? The same, I'd be football, yeah. play for Liverpool. High energy player, intensity, would attacking be the midfielder, just be running around everywhere. Wait, so, where would you would you be a, a midfield maestro? What would you? I like uh, my favourite player at the moment is Bobby Firmino. We, yeah. we can't get enough of Bobby Firmino. But other than that, I like snooker a lot as well. And recently, I've become a fan of MotoGP. Yeah, yeah. But snooker, I always I liked. Uh, I don't know. I guess I I warm to sports where you see like a genius, and I think like yeah. Rocket Ronnie for me is a genius. Yeah, yeah. I like the personality, and he's just amazing to yeah. watch. And the character and everything behind him is, is super. And also, you know, Rossi on MotoGP, fantastic. And then Cal Crutchlow is obviously, uh, he loves cycling, so you kind of met Cal and he, he's yeah. super and it's given me an interest into MotoGP, which Ross, I really... Rossi's almost the, the, the Alessandro Valverde of Alejandro Valverde of MotoGP. Yeah, isn't amazing, he? amazing. He always yeah. appears to be normal. It's, it's, I think that's your attraction is with the people you resonate, like Jamie Vardy, and people resonate with people yeah. that feel they can associate with. Yeah. And... The, as elite as sport's gotten, as much money there, there has become a void between the top stars and and that. And sport was always there, like especially Liverpool Football Club, part of the community. And Liverpool have kept that, haven't they? Oh yeah. And I think that's what's important now because the void's getting bigger, isn't it? And I think the likes of Floyd Mayweather in sport and that mm. that it, it's flaunting something people can never have. And I think it's it's almost a bit garish now, isn't it? And mm. I think that's why sport stars were always there, like Ali and stuff, to to help the masses almost in that. And I think there's still a lot of them do and that's why people love Ben Stokes and people like that the other week you know because mm. Ben what, what he went through the other year and obviously Gascoigne and um, and that's why we love him um, 
Steve, I've got to ask you then, is it your year, Liverpool? Uh, I don't want to jinx it, but yeah, I think yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you mentioned Ronnie O'Sullivan there, of course, who's given us an Ask Brad this season um, on the on the Bradley Wiggins show. Yeah. Brad, hopefully, we'll get him for uh, we'll get him in for one last uh, one last hurrah in Harrogate. Maybe. Had a bad um, <laughs> that is it for this episode of the Bradley Wiggins show by Eurosport. Thanks to our sponsor, Lacquer Bicycle Insurance, powered by the community. Um, get in touch. We will be coming to you from Harrogate next week. We will be there reflecting on the World Championships, time trial, and road race. Um, which you can, of course, watch on Eurosport and Eurosport Player. Um, yeah. Brad will be there with um, with a few podcast maybe, friends maybe at not. the finish. Uh, well, hopefully. No. Unpredictable. <laughs> um, until then, yeah. Steve, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much we for We can me. stay up to date with you on Twitter at... I'm not really on. I'm on Twitter, but I never tweet, so... It's, it's Steve O'Connor. You just see me around. Yeah. That's the best way. <laughs> Troll him. So if you see Steve around, say hello. <laughs> uh, Brad, you are, as ever, on... Um, at yeah, the, Sir Wigo. Um, yeah, Sir Wigo. Yeah, you're going to th- you're going to say something. No, I've got else, a few you? different ones that are private for my collection stuff. Of so you just tweet yourself. Or no, 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 I don't. The Twitter one. I don't know what Twitter is. It's at Sir Wigo. Is it? Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so let's stick with that. Um, you can follow Eurosport on Twitter and Instagram at Eurosport underscore UK, and you can of course find us on Facebook. Finally, from me, Graham Wilgos, it's goodbye. If you've enjoyed the show as much as I know Steve has, because he's still grinning away, please do subscribe. If share you have thoughts. an it. Don't be like that guy last week who actually took the time to leave a comment. Go and get a life. Go and get a girlfriend, mate. Well, if you want to share your thoughts. No, but the, if you want to you know, share your thoughts, share articulately. Don't go, rubbish, bastard. Come on. But you can do that wherever you get You're your You're an adult. You're informing youth of today. Uh, Brad, we'll see you in Harrogate next week. Enjoy, so. enjoy, the, uh, enjoy your I talk. I died tonight. Yeah. Well, tomorrow, the, today might be my last day on the planet. Try and stick with it and, and stay with us. Take it stay as it comes. Uh, I keep talking to Northern Accent. That's, that's, that's that's we'll we're, we're, we're up north next week. So that's we are. It tees it up perfectly. I've got to get a visa to get into Yorkshire yet. Well, I live are they giving them out? I don't know. They'll have me. Anyway, move on. Steve, it's actually been a pleasure to have Steve It really has. So, Steve, thank you is the last thing I was going to say. We will see you next week. Thanks for having me. See you later. Au revoir. The Bradley Wiggins Show is a Muddy Knees Media production for Eurosport. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.